teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Hebrews 12, verse number 2. We'll start in verse 1 just for continuity's sake. Um, I want you to see what verse 1 and 2 says about walking with God. Anybody in here walking with God? We walk by what? How do you walk with God? You walk with God by faith. Let's read some things about our walk with God by faith. It says, Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, that means endurance, the race that is set before us. Well, this is talking about our spiritual race. You know, we, we, we're, we know that's what he's referring to, not our, any natural race. But there's a race set before us. There's a course set before us. And, you know, Ephesians 2 says we walk not according to the course of this world. There's a course set before us, but not the one that God, I mean, that the world has set out and that they think you ought to walk. This is a race of faith. And he said, seeing that... Uh, these cloud of witnesses is watching us. Those are the people of faith that have gone on before us. These are the, you know, he goes on. I mean, I should say he just got done in Hebrews 11 talking about all the people in the Old Testament that had run their race and they're up on the grandstands, you know. That's what he's referring to. He said, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's what I want to do, focus in on. The finisher, he's not just got us started in this walk, but he's going to get us all the way across the finish line of faith. I don't want to hear, uh, well, you made it. I want to hear, well done. And so that's what he's talking about. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, that was the finish line for him. He got all the way to sit down on the, at the throne. That was the finish line. Praise God. He's sitting there in his flesh and bone body. He's actually at the right hand of the Father. And he's there. the Bible says he's there to ever living to make intercession for us. If you just back up a few verses, I don't know, um, back in the, uh, let's see here, the 7th chapter, a few pages, look at the 25th verse. It's talking about Jesus. He's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, see he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So he sat down at the right hand of the Father, but what is he there doing? Is he just twiddling his thumbs? Biding his time until the Father says, go get them, bring them back. No, he's there. He's ever living to make intercession for us. That means he's the go-between for us to go to God through him. The Bible talks about Jesus, as the, this is the third chapter, the first verse of Hebrews. He's the apostle and high priest of our confession. So he's, his ministry today is a ministry that uh, is the fulfillment of the Old Testament ministry of the high priest. You ever read that in the Old Testament? And he was a go-between between God and man. Now, um, Jesus is our high priest today of the new covenant. And as part of his high priestly ministry is that he's at the right hand of the Father and he's there encouraging us to finish our race of faith. 
In other words, he's rooting us on just like the grandstands are rooting us on. He's on our side. Amen. And he took a, a position of author and finisher. He's the apostle and high priest of our confession of faith. In other words, he's there. He, his assignment is to take whatever we're using our faith for and see to it that it comes to pass. Amen. He, he's there to get us, get the, to encourage us to receive the word. Of course, he's doing much of this by the Holy Spirit, you understand, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that lives on the inside of us. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. But remember, whatever the, Jesus said, whatever he hears the Spirit say, I mean, whenever the Spirit hears the, fa the Father say or Jesus say, he's going to pass that on to us. Remember that in John's gospel? Whatever he hears, that shall he speak. And so the Lord is saying certain things about you and for you, and the Holy Spirit encourages you with those things that he said. Of course, the Bible's full of everything that Jesus has to say. But we got to recognize is whatever he says is going to inspire you to begin a, a walk of faith if you've not already begun a walk of faith. Now, many Christians have begun a walk of faith. You know, they believe Jesus raised from the dead. He's their Messiah. He's their Savior. He's coming again. He washed them in his blood, so forth and so on. But that's only part of this race. There's much that he wants you to begin walking by faith in other than just faith in him as Savior. In other words, you need to respond to altar calls. I'm going to receive Jesus today. What do you receive? I'm going to receive him as healer today. <laughs> I'm going to receive him as baptizer in the Holy Ghost and walk that walk of the Spirit by faith. I mean, there's a, not, just, not just being saved by faith. There's a whole life of faith that he has for us. I like what Pastor Nancy said. She was preaching out of Hebrews 11, and she said, you know, faith, you're operating in a lot of faith in a lot of areas you don't even realize because she was going through there and talking about how certain people did certain things by faith, including raising their children, you know. Why do you, you say, no, don't do it that way. Don't, I want you to do it this way. Or, you know, you're raising them because of your faith in God's Word, right? So there's much that you've begun walking by faith in. But see, it's not enough. God wants to get you started in many of these different areas, or the high priest Jesus wants you to, but he wants to not only get you started, he wants to get you across the finish line in all those areas. What's the finish line in many things? Well, it's receiving the best God has for you down here in this life, and then, of course, going to heaven and, and uh, receiving what he's prepared for us up there. But we don't have to wait to get there to receive. There's a whole lot of things to receive down here. The Bible says we should have days of heaven on earth. Well, 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 I don't know about you, but I'm looking around seeing some things that I'm not seeing heaven yet. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. That's the reason he gave us the word because this is what's working for him in that realm. He wants us to have it in this realm. Amen. Now, with that in mind, um, he's the author of our faith. He got us started, and there's many things he wants us to get started in. Like, for example, many Christians haven't started in the area of healing. They're not trusting in, they just look to the doctor, you know. God wants to get you started in that. Then there's other areas, you know, in uh, not living by fear, not being bound by fear. Some Christians can't get on an airplane. Some Christians can't get into a relationship. They're afraid of failure. Uh, many things people are afraid of. God wants to get you out of that and get you walking by faith in every one of these areas. Then some haven't trusted him for finances. They're looking to their job. And he said, hey, I want to wean you off of that because I've got much more than just what your job can provide. 
And you can go into every area, uh, the areas of the mind and, and learning to walk by faith and cast down imaginations. God has a beginning for all of us and it begin, he gets us started by giving us the word in those areas. Hallelujah. And every, heaven can come into every area of life. I'm serious about that. No more bondage to addictions and, and bondage to sin. And, you know, there's just, we should be going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, but not just in one area, in many areas. Our whole life is to be a life of walking by faith. And so uh, with that in mind, he wants to get us started in all of these areas, but we've got to recognize it's not just the starting that, that's where the real blessings are. It's the finish line where the blessings are. Walking this thing out. Amen. So he got us started in this life. He wants to get us across the finish line. I like to say it this way. I was, I was uh, in a camp meeting preaching a camp meeting one time, and one of the ministers that was there preaching, I tell you, he preached about the best sermon I ever heard on being a finisher. Oh, phew, man, young guy. He's only about 25 years old. I'm like, whoa, man, he can preach. But anyway, he got everybody, think, he got everybody thinking about this, that there's a finisher on, on the inside of you saying, run, you can do it, run, and go across that finish line. And that's just the way it is on the inside. If you look to your spirit, someone is on the inside of you saying, there's a finisher on the inside of you saying, go, you can do it. Go all the way. Go all out. Take the prize. Go across the line. Get the gold medal. What is the gold medal? The best God has for you. Yeah, there's the silver and the bronze, but nobody remembers those people. Isn't that right? It's the gold medal guys that, that, that gets all the attention and, and gets all the, the, the uh, contracts for advertising uh, products and that you see on the Wheaties box. And the, <laughs> isn't that right? I want the best God has for me. Uh, Brother Hagin, for example, he just went for the best God had for him. He didn't just stop at getting healed of paralysis and a blood disease and all those things. He went on and had to tell the whole world about it. And then he went even further than just getting healed. He lived divine health. And he didn't even die with sickness. He just died saying what exactly what he always said he was going to do. He's going to eat a bowl of strawberries and say, goodbye, I'm gone. That's exactly what he did. Ate a bowl of strawberries and went, head hit his chest and he took off. That's the best God has for you. <laughs> well, I mean, if you don't get sick, how could you die? Just like, just like he did. You can do it just like that. Well, now, that's, that's what God wants us to have in every area, the best God has for us in every area. So, but one translation says he's the source and the perfecter of our faith. In other words, uh, that jumps out at me. In other words, he's the source of faith. You know, faith comes from hearing his word comes from him, you could say. But then also, I like that word perfecter. That just stands out to me because the word perfecter in looking it up means to become excellent or to bring to excellence. Mm, that does something for me. In other words, God wants you to, if you'll listen to the, if you'll listen to Jesus, the finisher of your faith, he'll continue, he'll con you'll continue to make progress in your skill of exercising faith in every arena. And you'll become unmovable and the things that used to work, Satan used to be able to trip you up with, he, he, he hits you with his best, the best shot he used to hit you with and it just doesn't work anymore. Amen. 
just doesn't work. Yeah, the, the bad reports just don't move you anymore. And the Bible says whenever Satan sees that, that to him it's a sign of his doom. Did you know that? Yeah. Philippians chapter 1 says it's a sign. It says in the King James, an evident token of his, per, of his destruction. Well, that just means a neon glowing sign. Not just, not just a sign with a light bulb shining on it. This is a neon. When the devil reads it, whenever you're unmoved, whenever he hits you with his best, he hits you with the fear that you send you into a tizzy before, and he hits you with that thing, and it doesn't work anymore. There's this neon sign in the spirit realm that comes on. What's it say? It says, doomed. Doomed. He used to have you bound with a sin, and now you chose to live free from that. <laughs> Amen. Because you've become excellent. You've become skilled in not, not, moving by, not being moved by fear. He knows you have all the feelings of fear, but you just don't move by it anymore. You have all the impulses to run and quit and give up and all that, but you just don't move by it. You're not moved by it. And so because of that, he, he knows something's up. He ain't going to be able to do what he used to be able to do. It means, this word perfecter means to bring to excellence without flaws or without fault. In other words, he'll, he'll bring you to an excellent faith life without uh, deficiencies, you might say, in faith. It also means to be developed, or the, the perfecter means to be a developer. In other words, God will, Jesus' ministry is not just to get you started. He'll bring you to full development in your faith. If you'll listen to him, he's the teacher in all these things. And he does it by the Holy Spirit. And so uh, it also means to cultivate. It means to improve, put the finishing touches on. It means to bring to a successful conclusion. In other words, Jesus' ministry of a finisher is to bring your faith to a successful conclusion. In other words, whenever you're ready to give up, he'll bring, he'll, he'll bring, he'll, he'll have pastor preach on something, or a guest minister come in and preach on something, or somebody will hand you a CD series, or you'll flip on the Christian television and somebody will preach it on something, and, and it'll just get all over you, and you're like, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh why was I thinking about quitting? I, I can't quit now. That's your high priest Jesus being the perfecter of your faith. You would have given up or I would have given up and then God had somebody come along and, and you walk out and you go, well, I can't quit now. I just can't quit. I just, I just can't. I just won't. I just won't. <laughs> Amen. I got to see the other side of my mountain. I got to see what's over there. Like somebody said, if you could see what's on the other side of your mountain, you'd move it. So he gives you a glimpse every now and then. You're like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not quitting now. I'm not quitting now. Mountain, you're moving. <laughs> so he brings you to a successful conclusion. And that's his ministry. Now, another thing he does, this word perfecter means to reach the goal. So he'll bring your faith to the goal whatever it is that your faith has been set on. Then also it means see through to the end. So that's what Jesus' high priestly ministry is all about. So really, um, 
you know, there, there, there are faith tests to pass. And when you come up to those tests, the finisher on the inside of you, he'll say, here, now, now do this in this situation. And he'll get you through those places where, where normally we would get stuck. God does not want us to be stuck in faith. He wants us to be continually reaching, continually progressing in all of these areas. He said from glory to glory. He said from faith to faith. Isn't that the kind of way he says things? He says we, we go from faith to faith and glory to glory and, and all these things. That's the way everything in the kingdom of God is. It always progresses. It's never stagnant. It's never just, just uh, so-so. It's been this way for 14 years or even three years. Everything in the kingdom of God starts out small. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Amen. Well, I want the full corn in the ear. Well, then get busy with the blade. Get busy watering the blade. Do what the finisher of your faith is saying to do with the seed and the blade and, and everything that's beginning. Just let, let God get it. Oh, it pays off to stay faithful. You don't want to quit. It seems like I've been stuck. Keep praying in the Holy Ghost, listening to what the finisher's saying. And even if you didn't listen, he'll bring you around again. Okay, okay, all right. Now, I know you flunked. I know you, you should be in third grade. You're in second grade. Now, listen, here's the thing. He's going to keep working with you. Oh, if he had given up on me, you know, I wouldn't be where I am. But he just, sometimes it wasn't my faith. It was just his mercy bringing somebody along to say, okay, here's, here's what you needed here. And I'm like, you know, how many of you know as you grow spiritually, you can see things that you didn't see before? You used to not understand. Where am I missing it? Why is it not progressing? Well, here's the key. Just keep on walking with God in the light you have. Keep on praying. Keep on believing Him for what you need to know. And keep on doing what you know to do. Amen. And then you'll grow. As you grow spiritually, you'll get to the place you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, pastor's been saying that for four years. Well, duh, you know. You ever been there before? I'm not just talking about you. I've been there before, sitting in service after service like, oh, my goodness. That minister's been saying that. I'm thinking of Brother Hagin sitting in Bible school. That, they've been, oh, yeah, of course. You want to you duck and hide, you know. You're like, <laughs> praise the Lord. Well, thank God. Just don't say anything to anybody and nobody will know it. Amen. <laughs> Some of you are going to get happy before we leave. Now, in Luke twenty-two thirty-two, you might remember the context. This is Jesus getting ready to go to the cross. And um, he's telling his disciples that y'all are going to leave me, you know. And um, you're going to scatter. You know, I'm going to smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. But in uh, Luke twenty-two thirty-two, there, Jesus is talking to Peter. And he said, Peter... Um, he said, Satan has desired to have you. Remember that? Yeah. That he might sift you as wheat. Yeah. He said, but, he said, I've prayed for you, verse 32 says, that th thy faith fail not. When you're converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now that, that helps you to understand what he means by thy faith fail not. I used to read that and think, well, I didn't know faith could ever fail. Well, the point is it can't. Not if it's got the, the word of God as its source. Amen. Faith in a person might yeah. fail. Faith in an institution might fail. Faith in a, um, a promise of man might fail. But faith in God cannot fail. Not real faith. 
not real faith. I used to wonder, what is he saying? Faith can't fail. Well, what he's talking about is, what I'm talking about tonight, about, he said, I prayed for you that thy faith fail not. In other words, I prayed for you that you don't give up in faith. Amen. That you don't throw in the towel or whatever, however you want to say it. Isn't that right? So what we know is there's a finisher, and Jesus is being Peter's finisher of faith here. He's praying for Peter that he not give up. Oh, help him not to quit. Help him not to cast away his confidence. Help him not to get so down on himself that he, that he, that he is, is uh, so discouraged because he's beating himself up. Because he, he, he missed it big time. He's cussing and denying he knew Jesus and things like that. Well, you know, you can get really down on yourself at times like that. But what he's saying here is, Peter, I've prayed for you that you don't get so down on yourself that you'll give up and quit. Amen. That's what he's talking about. Real faith doesn't fail, but we can fail to, we can fail to use our faith. You get down on yourself, you're going to stop using your faith. Amen. So with that in mind, um, the guide, 1 John 2, 27 says, the Spirit will teach us. Remember, the anointing that we've received abides in us, uh, and, and He's going to teach us. The same anointing teaches us. So Jesus is going to take us through um, times of, for example, you remember over there in, what is it, 2 Timothy, where it talks about all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, remember? And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, you know? Well, he's going to take us through those things. Jesus, by the Spirit, is going to teach us about walking by faith through establishing doctrine about faith. Yeah. Remember, 1 Timothy said doctrine, reproof. He's going to, there's a times he's going to reprove us in faith. Yeah. That means to uh, convict. Yeah. If you look it up, same word translated convict. Reprove, I mean, uh, uh, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. You have to be okay with all of these if you're going to be, you're going to be perfected That's in right. faith. That's right. Amen. You can't just say, well, I like the doctrine, but I don't like those correction times. <laughs> Everybody in Jesus, when he was walking the earth, Jesus was the finisher of their faith as well as the author of their faith. And I could stand here tonight and give you reference after reference where Jesus got on to them about their unbelief. We have to be okay with that. Amen. Remember Peter at one time didn't cast out that devil and why didn't we why couldn't we cast him out Jesus said because of your unbelief remember that and then they Jesus raised from the dead and he came on the scene because every time somebody come report to them that he was raised from the dead they they'd say oh we don't know about that they, they didn't believe it and Jesus came on the scene in Luke 25 and he said he upbraided them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart Un upbraided just means he gave them a kick in the seat of the pants he was not impressed he did not hand out lapel pins, man of faith that day. He, he, he got on to them for their unbelief. Thomas didn't believe that he was raised from the dead, and he said, oh, faithless. He said, be not faithless, but believe it. He's always, that's, you have to be okay with the rebukes. Where the Spirit of God deals with you like, what are you doing? What are you giving up for? What's that coming out your mouth for? Why are you making those confessions? You're in church, you're saying amen, but to your friend, you're talking about this. You, you have to be okay with that kind of thing. You have to take, you have to be like a Timex watch. Take your licking and keep on ticking. Just keep on, and don't, don't get offended whenever he, and don't get, don't get, see, uh, you have to have humility to receive from God as well as faith. And without humility, when those correction times come, you'll get all boo-hoo and, and offended and all of that, and you'll miss what he's really trying to do. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to get you unstuck from the place of faith you've been walking. 
Amen. Amen. No, we don't, uh, we don't, uh, we're not where we plan to be. And God's pleased with where we are now for walking in the light we have. But he's wanting us to keep progressing. That's the way he does everything. Amen. Praise the Lord. So everybody say, this is what Jesus meant. He didn't want him to fail in faith. Let's look at some of these things tonight that would keep us from progressing in faith. You want to learn some things? Amen. Um, you have to be okay when tests and trials come knowing that God didn't bring them. But you have to be okay that, that God will at times lead you right into the middle of a situation that's going to make, that's going to be hard. You have to be okay with those kinds of things. Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, uh, there's things God will lead you into that your flesh won't jump up and down about. I'm sure Jesus wasn't excited about going out there for 40 days and not eating any food and Satan attacking him and all of that. But you have, he have to be okay with the leadings of the Spirit even when your flesh doesn't like them. Because you're going to learn a lot about faith. <laughs> when the Lord says, stay in this marriage, I don't want to. Well, you're going to learn a lot about faith. You obey God, you're going to learn. You'd have never learned what you could have learned if you'd have obeyed God. See, people that keep jumping out of the frying pan when it gets hot, they never stay put whenever, whenever it's tough on their flesh. They're the kind of people that never grow up. And they never develop the kind of stick to it in faith that, that helps them to progress. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amening. We want, to, we want to progress. And if you want to progress, you have to be okay with um, staying in the hard places. Uh, this is just something you can write down. 1 Peter 5.10 says, The God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after that you've suffered a while make you perfect, established, strengthened, and settle you. I want to be perfect. That means mature. I want to be established. I want to be strong, you know, in, in all these areas, including in my faith. I want to be settled. Settled means, you know, established and unmovable. We all want that. But notice the context. After you've suffered a while. What? After you've drank lemonade and rocked in the hammock on the beach. And, and you know, everything's honky-dory. No storms. Sun shining. Everybody's loving you. Money in the bank. Body healed. Woo! Sipping lemonade. Oh, yeah. After you've done that for a while, that doesn't make you established. <clears throat> What's, what establishes you is staying put in the suffering. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I've learned more by staying put in the hard places than I ever have sitting in school learning about faith. Amen. Because a lot of, a lot of that uh, we hear in church is, is a textbook knowledge about faith. You can learn a lot by going to the textbook. Don't misunderstand me, but you, you, <laughs> when the hard time comes, then you have to practice what you've learned. That's right. And all of a sudden, you know it differently than you used to know it. You used to know it in a textbook way. Now you know it experientially. You've gone through it. You've stayed faithful. Oh, man, there's coming a time I can tell you the testimony of somebody here in the church. It isn't the time right now. But there's coming a time where it looked like everything was going down the drain. Everything. Financially, everything. Going. There was a big sucking sound. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, could, you could see it going. Yeah, yeah. 
And they said, no, I'm believing God. I'm staying put. I'm not disobeying God. I'm going to continue to tithe. I'm going to continue what God said. And, and the lawyers and the bankers and the wife and everybody else was saying, it's over. And they said, no, it's not. We're going to obey God. And oh my goodness, the way that thing turned around. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, my goodness how it turned. I, I get to tell you about it. See, I already told you about it, but I didn't really tell you about it. There's just some good things that there'll be a time to tell it. It pays to stay put. And I told this person, now you know God's faithful like you never knew God is faithful. You know he'll, he'll, he'll be faithful. He'll come through on his word. You used to be able to tell somebody else God's faithful. Now you can say, listen, sonny, God is faithful. No, 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 you don't understand. No, God is faithful. No, you don't understand God is faithful. Faithful. He will not give you up. <laughs> yeah, you know it better whenever you go through it and you stay put. It's too many times people jumping out of the, the tough places. Anybody can start a business, start going to a church that God told them to go to, start a marriage, start anything. It's easy to do all that stuff. But sticking with it and making it to the end, that's a whole, that's a whole different, different kind of animal. So let's look at some things here about sticking with it in faith. One of the things that uh, the finisher of your faith will do is he'll teach you to not just talk to God about it, but talk to the problem. There's a lot of people that are stuck in a place of faith where they're not moving forward because they keep talking to God about it and he keeps saying, talk to it. Amen. Stop talking to me, whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Start talking to it. Many Christians have gotten stuck right there. They're still talking to God. Now there's a time to talk to God all right. You understand? But there's a time to stop talking to God and start talking to the mountain, start talking to the problem. You have to become accustomed to answering. Rather than going to God, oh, they're saying this, they're saying this. Well, he said, why are you doing all the listening? Why don't you do some declaring? Why don't you do some talking? Get good at answering what you hear. Stop bringing to me everything the devil says and start telling the devil what I said. Amen. So that's a place we need to get past in this walk of faith. Amen. And Yeah, there's a good one. I'll preach that sermon too. Pastor Debbie said this. I didn't say this. Stop going to the pastor and tell him everything the devil said. Tell the devil what God said. Don't get upset at me. Pastor Debbie preached that sermon. But you know it's true. Here's another thing about walking by faith. He'll teach you to get some loads off of your faith. Remember, he said back there in, in Hebrews 12:1, lay aside every weight. He'll tell you to get some things off of your faith. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He'll tell you when you've got too much on your faith. He'll tell you whenever you need to cut some people loose that, are, that, that don't want God. Stop trying to carry them on your faith. Amen. He'll tell you how to cut these things loose. Everybody say, he'll tell you how to lay aside the weights. He'll train you. See, a lot of times Christians kind of have the idea that walking by faith means you take this project on and, and you're depressed and you're heavy and you, you care about it and you worry about it. And you, that's not faith at all. You, you, take, you, you take on the responsibility of speaking the word to it, but you don't take the care of it. 
You understand there's a difference. God wants you to be um, his racehorse. Come on, he said there, he lay aside every way and, and the sin and let us run with patience. You can't run all the way down. He doesn't want you to be the devil's pack mule. He wants you to be the, the Lord's racehorse. So the, door, the devil will get you all packed down with care and, and responsibility and all of that. That's one thing as a pastor, I, I just decided a number of years ago, I decided I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to carry everybody's burdens in the church. Because too many pastors nowadays are getting out of the ministry because they're carrying everybody else's cares. I'm not going to carry your faith projects. I'll obey God. I'll speak the word like there's people I get in agreement with. They come and they say, would you agree with me? And every time I, and I do, and then every time I think about it from then on, thank you, Father, that, that, that you know, whatever it is they're believing for, I quote the word over that. But I don't, I don't just walk around with the care of it on me. Amen. That's what a church has to get to. It has to get to the place where they're not anymore mooching off the pastor's faith. Where they're just saying, I'm going to walk by faith myself. Another thing that the Lord will teach you how to do, He'll teach you to get the toxins out of your faith. What I mean by that, I mean things like fear. I mean things like uh, unforgiveness. The, the counselor that lives on the inside of you will help you get those things out of you. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But another thing He'll tell you, or He'll have you to do, He'll, he'll teach you how to endure by not looking at the wrong things. The Bible says that Abraham, not Abraham, but Moses, it says in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You look at the wrong things, you're going to give up. You'll never, get fin you'll never finish that project of faith. So to endure, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Um, you know, what you get your eyes on in the Bible often is a reference to what your attention is on. It's not just talking about looking with your physical eyes, although, you know, it might be good not just to be staring at the problem. But uh, it's talking about giving, giving your attention to the problem. Abraham's faith got to the place where he considered not his own body. You remember that? He didn't keep his attention on what the devil or his body kept saying. He got his attention on the Word of God. And that's how you endure. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Amen? Peter got his attention on the wind and waves, and he began to sink. He almost didn't finish. He had Jesus, his finisher, there. And showed him why he began to sink, but he, he didn't uh, finish his course. Now, what Peter did was uh, exactly the opposite of what Mark eleven twenty three 23 says in the Johnson's translation. Remember, it says in the King James, um, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast and seen, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says comes to pass. Notice, doesn't doubt in his heart. The King James says that, but the Johnson's translation says, If he does not become separated from the statement he makes. The, the finisher of your faith will teach you how to not become separated by, from your faith by getting your attention on other things. That's the devil's strategy to get you separated. Amen. Remember, I've told you over and over again, Psalm 23, and thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You don't wait until there's no doubts at all, no fear at all, or, or no, no problems at all to step out in faith. You've got to just learn to step out in it whenever, whenever fear is breathing its hot breath down your neck and you've got every, all the resistance, your fear says don't do it, and your face blowing against you and you say, no, I'm going for God, I'm going to what God says. There is, there's going to be the enemies in the presence of your enemies is where you're going to receive. 
If it's prepared in the presence of your enemies, you're going to receive it in the presence of your enemies. Amen. 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 And here's another thing he'll teach you to do. He'll teach you to start now and, and take, take steps and take little steps of faith. Amen. I mean, we all want to be the, the, we want to be David who gets a slingshot and, whoosh, and takes out a giant. But David didn't start there. David started with the lion and he started with the bear. One of the things the Lord showed me about this is that when it comes to lions and bears, they don't talk human language. There's a whole different, there's a big difference between the roar of a lion and the growl of a bear than there is of the, the smash talk of a giant. You know what I'm talking about? Remember whenever Goliath was out there and, and David started st stood in front of him? Remember what Goliath started saying? I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. And, you know, all these threats. And See, that's, that's David's language. He's talking something that David understands. A, a lion just goes, rawr. That's different. That's different than somebody actually threatening to do something with words you understand. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> The devil knows how to use words that are like, whoa. But you got to just get used to something like the lion and the bear's roar so that whenever it comes to Goliath, because Goliath is coming, by the way. Don't be going after Goliath until you've taken some lions and some bears. Because you got to become skilled at overcoming the threats and the, and the fears and all those things that are coming at you. Can you say Amen. And he'll teach you not to get separated from your faith when you hear the roar of the lion. And once you get good at that, he'll take you on to other things where there's the, the smash talk of the, of the giant. You know, you can, you can, your faith will take on anything where it is right now, but you might not be skilled in overcoming those voices that are coming. Because there are voices. You're going to hear voices. Remember, you're, he said, uh, the voice of a stranger, they'll not follow. He didn't say they won't hear it. You'll hear the voice of fear. You'll hear the voice of, of condemnation. You'll hear the voice of failure talking to you, especially if you've been through a failure. You know, you've been through a failure in a relationship and, the, and, you, wanna, and you start liking somebody and you want to start dating them. You're going to hear, yeah, but you remember how it turned out last time. You're going you're to have to deal with all that. But you've got to learn to not get separated from your faith if you're believing God for a mate whenever you hear all that kind of thing. Because you know, you, what's that movie where the bride took off, you know? <laughs> I never watched it. I just remember seeing it advertised. So if it's a bad movie, I apologize. I didn't see it. Some of you were trying to condemn me in your thought life right there. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. He'll teach you to not just get into faith, but he'll teach you to keep stretching. He'll teach you to keep going to new levels. Romans 1.17 says that therein, in the Gospels, the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Well, how, how about going to another level in faith? Amen. Well, how do I do that? You take the steps that you know are right in front of you. Amen. Take a step. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, take a step. Amen. Now, here's the one I wanted to finish up on, spend most of my time with tonight. Go over with me, if you would, to... Uh, the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 17. And this looks at David approaching Goliath. We're not going to take a whole lot more time here, but I do want to really emphasize this one before we go. 1 Kings, chapter number, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel, chapter number 17. And this is when David approached Goliath and took, took Goliath out. I want you to notice there's a whole lot here, but 
Let's start in verse number 31. When the, word, when the words were heard, which David spake, because David said, I'll go, I'll fight him. They rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent, him, uh, he sent for him. David said to Saul, let, not, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. If you read the context, all these other warriors, these, the army of Israel, they're all here. Because remember, the giant came out for 40 days, and he's making this, uh, this uh, threat. And he's asking for a man to come out and fight him. And all the Bible says earlier that all the army of Israel is back shaking in fear in the, t in the trenches. They're not going out. But so David said, I'll go. And he said, let no man's heart fail for him. Well, that kind of reminds me. I don't know if you remember the verse over there in uh, Luke 21, verse number 26, where it talks about uh, men's hearts failing them for fear. I don't believe that just talking, but it could be heart attacks, but I don't believe it's just physical. I believe it's men's spiritual, it's inward man failing to produce what it, God intended for it to produce in faith because of fear. You see, fear will shut faith down. That's the reason when Jairus was, having, was uh, going to Jesus and said, come, my little daughter's at the point of death. And then they got the report, your daughter has died whenever Jesus was going to his house. Remember that? Jesus turned around and said, fear not, believe only. Yes. In other words, don't let fear get in there. That'll shut down your faith. That's right. That's right. And the Spirit of God will teach you to cast those things down and deal with them in, in the very instant that they come. God wants you to enter into the spiritual arena and fight in that arena. Amen. All right. Now, you know the story. We won't take time to read it all. Uh, David introduced himself and talked about, you know, the lion and the bear that came out and how he won over that. And then verse 37, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul's arm, uh, Saul armed David with his armor, and he put his helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, that means he tried to go, for he had, uh, for he had not proved them. In other words, he didn't go with that because he, he wasn't accustomed to that. David said unto Saul, I can't go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. And you know the story. He got the sling and the, and the stones out of the brook, and he went with that, and he faced the giant. Well, here's what I want you to see. David wanted to fight with what was, he had already proven. David was not in the military. You know, it's a different day back then. <laughs> you couldn't do this today, just walk out there and say, I'll go, you know. He, but different day, but he was not in the military. He was not trained like Saul and all the army and all the, all the skills, you know, of combat and, you know, however they did it back then. He wasn't trained in all that. He was trained in spiritual weapons. You there? You going home. And he wanted to fight with what he was used to. Of course, yes, he had a sling. We understand that's a natural thing. But he had used that and practiced using his faith to, to hit things with that thing. That's what he's talking about. He had done that. Now, he wanted to prove what he, um, uh, I mean, he wanted to fight with what he was already used to. He was not taught at the military academy. He didn't go to West Point. <laughs> Amen. David's methods were unorthodox, but they were spiritual methods. They were things of the Spirit that he had become skilled in. Amen. He had more success by using the spiritual weapons than all these men with the natural training had with their natural weapons. Amen. 
He recognized spiritual laws. He recognized the law of faith, which these other men didn't realize was defeating them. A lack of operating in it was defeating them, you could say. He recognized, though, David recognized that by using his faith, he could get success where a natural man couldn't get success. Praise God. So it made him a superior warrior, actually, to all the entire army of Israel. He became a superior warrior, and uh, his experience was with the, the nat- I mean, with the spiritual things, not just with natural things, although I'm sure he practiced with the stone and sling, but he really used his faith. Amen. Amen. Really, what we find then is his experience is with the power of God, God's faithfulness, and when you put your faith in him, spiritual laws, the law of faith, will work every single time. Amen. Amen. And he used that until he got so used to believing God, it was just, second, it was just first nature to him. Amen. He got accustomed to doing that. Amen. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to begin, become accustomed. As soon as the bad report comes, the word of God comes out of your mouth. Amen. You don't sit and think about it, before, you know, what the devil's saying for whatever. Three days or... You understand? This is a, that's what we've got to recognize. All battles at the core are spiritual. Every one of them. Amen. David was not somebody who was used to reaching for the sword. He was used to reaching on the inside. He was not used to going for something in the natural. He was accustomed to going to his faith. God wants us to become spiritual people, not just natural people. So many are used to reaching up into their head and looking for a natural solution to everything. Well, David wasn't used to reaching up into his head or his mind. He was used to reaching down into his heart and grabbing the promises of God and taking off confessing the word of God. Can you say amen? Amen. He had become used to approaching things whenever they were roaring at him, talking to him, and and, and unbelief was coming from them into him. But he was used to replacing what was coming out of them with what came out of him. And he was skilled in that to the point that he actually was, became a superior warrior than anybody trained in the natural. Amen. You can do that with the Word of God, just use the wisdom of God on money and become much richer than somebody that's been educated. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? In fact, just using a little bit of biblical common sense will get you a lot further than a lot of folks, you know. Amen. And just listening to the Holy Ghost who knows everything on the inside. Well, can you see here, David, he really uh, surpassed all the rest of them. And if he was here today, he would instruct us in, in what Jesus taught him as the finisher of his faith. You say, Jesus wasn't come yet. Yeah, he was, at the, he was in heaven before he came to earth. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He appeared several times in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord, the Bible said. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So he would say this, don't wait, because he approached this Goliath with all the impulses of fear that everybody else had. But he approached this Goliath and took him out. And if he was here today, he would say, the finisher of my faith has taught me, don't wait until you are, there is no fear or no opposition to enjoy your victory. Face your Goliath and face your fears. Amen. He'd say it's not faith's job to not have opposition, to not be resisted, or to not be hit upon, or to not have tests and trials. Faith's job is to go forward in the midst of them. 
Amen. That's what he would teach us if he was here. Amen. He would say the giant was not my biggest obstacle. It was the fear that came against me when I approached him. That was my biggest obstacle. That was the biggest thing I faced that day. Amen. And he would say this, the biggest problem is not going to be the giant. It's going to be spiritual things. Amen. Not natural things. Your biggest problem is not natural things. Remember over in the book of Numbers, it says we can't go up and possess the land. Remember at Kadesh Barnea, they sent in the spot. We can't go up and possess the land. And uh, here's the reason, because there's giants in there. Well, um, they didn't, they had never fought the giants. It wasn't the giants that kept them out of there. It was the fear of the giants. The giants had never proven to them in battle that they were superior in war than they were. It was the fear that the giants inspired on the inside of them that was their biggest battle. And they did not enter into the spiritual arena and fight in that arena. And so they were inferior to the, to the generation that came up afterwards and said, we're going to believe God. And they took the giants. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're amen. The battle is always spiritual in nature at its core. You take stories like the battle of Jericho. It wasn't great military might that put, that, put those walls down and they defeated the army by. You take uh, Gideon's army. 300 went against, what was it, 10,000 or something like that. Thousands of people. 300 people overcame them. They thought they'd take a whole bunch of people and God said, no, just take 300. <laughs> that, nature, that battle was spiritual in nature. Um, you go over into Exodus, which we, don't, we won't go there, but for time's sake, I'll just refer to this. You remember in the 17th chapter of Exodus, it talks about the, uh, the battle that Moses, actually Joshua fought it, but Moses held up his hands, and Joshua won as long as Moses had his hands up. Amen. And you remember whenever his hands got weary, you know, they started to lose, and so two men stood under him and held his hands up. Well, what, what the, the next few verses, I believe it's verse 9, um, says about that passage, it says that, uh, I'm just going to read this. You don't have to go there for time's sake. I want you to hear this, though. It says about that battle in verse 16, I'm sorry, uh, Exodus, 15, uh, Exodus 17, verse 16, because the Lord has sworn the Lord will have war with Amalek from that generation, uh, I mean from generation to generation. The Lord hath sworn is what Moses said afterwards. He said, the Lord has sworn. Well, what does that mean? In the, in the Hebrew, it means lifted up a hand. Uh, excuse me. It, it says in the Hebrew, a hand has been lifted up upon the throne of Jehovah. The, you ever seen the uh, president sworn in? He lifts up his hands, put, puts one hand on the Bible, lifts up his other hand, and he swears an oath to uphold the Constitution, so help me God, you know. Well, that's what this is a reference to. A hand has been lifted up upon the throne of Jehovah. It's a reference to Moses holding up the rod. Because Moses didn't just hold up his hands. He had the rod of God in his hand. The rod stood for authority. The authority of God in the hands of man. Did you get that? He's saying, I'm holding up the authority. He's saying, I'm exercising the authority of the throne of God. Because a hand has been lifted up upon the throne of Jehovah. Praise God. It's an affirmation of an oath uh, uh, that, use, that, is, that means this is uh, a swearing that we're doing that this is going to be victory today. Amen. 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 
The, the, the meaning is found in holding up the rod. It stands for the authority of God committed to human hands. It's a type of the New Testament authority of the believer and being co-laborers with Jesus in exercising the authority that belongs to us. We're sharing the power of his throne and the authority that we have to reign with him in Christ. Moses took the authority in the name of Jehovah over the foes of God, and by doing so, he uh, is exercising the authority of the throne of God himself. He was speaking on behalf of God, saying, no, we, we're, we're taking authority in this situation. Amen. So today, every hand that is lifting up the rod of God can direct the circumstances of life and direct the power of God from the throne of God against the spiritual enemies that are fighting against us. Amen. This is, this is a revelation of the authority we have seated with Jesus. But what does this tell us? This tells us that the nature of the conflict is spiritual, not natural. Holding up a rod in the natural up on top of the mountain doesn't do anything. But what it was is it was something spiritual. He was exercising authority. It gives us the nature of the conflict, which is the enemy is spiritual. The enemy in all your situations are spiritual. Fear is a spirit, and we got to recognize it when it comes and not just think, well, you know, they say I can't do it. It's not them that keeps you from doing it. It's the fear that's keeping you from doing it. Amen. The simplicity of the techniques of your warfare are also revealed. It's, it's, it's exercising spiritual authority, exercising faith in God's Word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In every circumstance, at the core, the, spirit, the struggle is always spiritual. Just like David, the struggle he had was spiritual. The, the thing that kept the other guys in the trenches was the spirit of fear. Remember that? The thing that kept Israel from Canaan's land was the spirit of fear. The thing that put Joshua in there, the Bible says he has another spirit with him. The nature of everything at its core is spiritual. Why do people not prosper? Mark says, I mean, uh, Matthew says in the 19th chapter, I was afraid. I was afraid. God gave him things to increase with. I was afraid. I'm preaching better than you're amen. Hallelujah. So we would do good to stop listening to fear and start talking to it. Start smack talking it or whatever you call it. Like David did. I mean, he's a 17-year-old stripling of a kid. Probably just started straight shaving a year before that. You know? And he's out there smash-talking that giant. That giant's telling him what he's going to do. And he said, I'm going to take your head off of you today. Learn to talk to fear. Learn to deal with it. Amen. Stop letting fear make your decisions for you. Stop reacting to the roar of the lion and the roar, the roar of the bear and the giant's threats. Start moving toward it and start speaking the word of God. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 God told him in Deuteronomy, he said, you're going to possess nations that are greater than you are. But he said, you're not going to do it with your own power. You're going to go with the power of my might. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Yes, you compared to some things, you might not have the education, you might not have the training, you might not have the skill, you might not have the money, but you and yourself, is not, you're not going in yourself. See, giants are bigger than you are, but they're on their own. <laughs> you're going with the power of the greatest force in the universe backing you up. Praise God. 
Now, well, this is the reason Goliath tried to get him afraid because he knew 90% of the battle is spiritual. And he knew what fear would do in an army if somebody got afraid because he had been holding them in captivity for 40 days. He already knew that. Praise God. We can, why don't we smart, get smart and wise up about some of these things? Here's another lesson in faith from a giant killer. Amen. Amen. Practice using your weapons before you get to the giant. Don't be just passing up opportunities to believe God. I mean, use your faith. I mean, there's some things you might could just go do and with, with money in the bank, but take the money. Yeah. I mean, uh, take your faith, so I'm going to believe God without just going and buying it. I'm going to believe God for, to get that to me without me spending money Amen. on it. Amen. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Or take the money that you want to use for that. Let's say you're believing God for something, down payment on a new car or something like that. Take that money and say, okay, God, I dedicate this to you. Help me find somebody that needs a down payment on a car. Amen. And you go find them. The Lord says, it's Teresa. So you give it to Teresa. I'm just making this up. <laughs> and you sow that seed and you say, Father, thank you for my car. Amen. See, that's, that's getting excellent in faith. That's moving beyond doing something because you got the money and, and doing it by faith even though you have the money. Amen. Amen. So praise the Lord. Did you get anything out of this tonight? Every battle is, is uh, spiritual at the core. One more thing. Let's look back here. I don't know if you turned away yet from 1 Samuel chapter number 17. But this says here in verse number 51. It says, David ran, stood upon the Philistine, took the sword and drew, uh, uh, drew it out of the sheath thereof. In other words, he took his own sword, the, the Goliath's own sword. And he slew him, cut off his head therewith. And with, when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, what's those next two words? They fled. They fled. Mark in your Bible, if you got a pen, Hebrews 11.34 right there. Because Hebrews 11.34 says, by faith, so and so did so and so and so and so did so and so. And one of the things it says was, concerning uh, faith, it puts to flight armies of the aliens. <laughs> In other words, faith is what they were running from. They weren't running from a 17-year-old kid. You know, four more guys could have come out there and tried to attack him. They weren't running from a kid. They were running from faith. And if you'll stand up to some of this smackdown that the devil's trying to put on you, and you'll stop listening to it, find that he'll wither and he'll become nothing. Stop tolerating fear. It's not something to tolerate. It's something to go after and attack. Amen. Face the opposition. Face the attack. Be aggressive with it. It'll make you weak if you don't. It'll get you to back down. You start backing out of things, where are you going to stop backing? You got to recognize once you start backing out of things, it gets doubly hard to get back into it. Don't back down for anything. Don't stop, don't stop moving forward for anything. Face it. You'll find it was nothing but a big mouth and hot air is all it was. Devil's a blowfish. Have I ever told you that? You look in the documentaries and read about the blowfish. The blowfish is a fish down in the bottom of the ocean. He blows himself up when a predator comes around. He looks like he's three times bigger than he really is. Well, the devil's a blowfish. He tries to make it look bad when it's really not that bad. Amen. Fear is just a magnifier. It makes things look bigger than they really are. It's nothing when you measure it up to God. Face it. I said face it. Once you've attacked it, once you've overcome the fear... You get a taste of victory in your mouth. 
You'll never back away from fear again. You'll never turn and run again because you realize the immeasurable blessings that are available to people who will overcome what the, devil, what the devil comes against you with. Once you've moved your mountain and you've tasted victory, once you've overcome things that kept you out of blessings, you'll get that taste in your mouth. <laughs> Amen? And you'll say, all right, I'm not backing down anymore. Some of these things are coming out of other people. You know, other people can hold you in bondage to fear. I know of husbands that need to stand up to their wives, wives that need to stand up to their husbands. Although it's not their husband or their wife, it's the fear that they're holding them in. You know, a guy that gets mad and breaks up furniture whenever he doesn't get his way is trying to hold his wife in fear, you know. And that's, de that's demonic, by the way. It's uh, manipulation. Real, all fear is, and anger fits and all that. It's really manipulation. It's of the devil. Your wife should not be afraid of you. Amen. So um, you need to stand up to it. I, there's, there's too many ladies. You ladies listening to me? There's too many ladies at Spirit of Faith Family Church that are scared of their husbands. That uh, if you'd stand up to him, you'd find out he's not as big and bad as you think he is. I'm not talking about people's husbands that come to church necessarily. You know what I'm talking about. But, well, you're, you're afraid he'll leave you. What do you mean? He's controlling you now. I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about some people here. Well, I, I need the money. I need a man. Well, why? Are you afraid of being in lack? Are you, what are you afraid of? Something is holding you in bondage. Now, I'm not saying fight with him. I'm just saying stop cowing down whenever he's, he goes into his little, uh, you know, little dance in his song. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Uh, I'm so proud of this one individual right now I'm thinking of. They stood up and their husband said, I refuse to let you go to church anymore. And, and she said, I love you, but I'm going to church. She said, when you get home, the door's going to be locked. Hey, she went home and the door was locked. She said, okay, I'll go somewhere else and live somewhere else. Hallelujah. Now there's a strong person. You watch what God does for that person. You know, they weren't trying to be nasty. They were sweet to their husband and everything. And, but uh, praise the Lord, they're going to just, they're going to do what they know they, they need in God. They need to walk by faith. Praise the Lord. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147. Or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you, and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.